Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavides, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Some Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining me this week, the legend himself, Lavender Goons. Good evening, gentlemen, and I'm going to get right to the point, as I always do every week, and wish you guys a happy National Spumoni Day. Oh, okay. I haven't had Spumoni in a long time. You know what a spumoni is. Oh. I didn't know that until five minutes ago. It's it's like a type of like ice cream, right? That is correct, Mark. And I appreciate the leading question so that I can educate our <laughs> okay. audience. You're getting right to a the spumoni point. A <laughs> spumoni is three molded layers of this flavored is the most, gelato. Like, douchebag douche voice cre- Micah put on. No. I swear to God. Jesus. <laughs> Yo, every week, Mark, every week, this man does not let me cook. I know. I mean, it's almost like I do gelato. It Go ahead. I didn't know it was gelato. Now I'm, now I'm getting appetizing. You see? You see? Mark was learning something. I, was learning. Bobby. I mean, I knew what it was, kind of, but I'm, I'm getting this some. This motherfucker facts. would get hit with. Mike would get hit with so many spitballs if he was teaching a class with his voice. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> so we got, we got, we got. Uh, yes, gelato. Trevor. Well, let me thank you for your explanation. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Go ahead. Anyway, flavored gelato <laughs> creates a unique dessert known as the spumoni. Creamy creation often includes candied fruits and nuts in two layers and with a third chocolate layer as well. Nice. Sounds good. I can go for some right now. Amazing. <laughs> I would need some lactate for that. I was going to say, yeah, I would need a few of those. Got to let you uh, lactate. You got to layer the lactate too. You know, you don't what? just have one. You just have one? No, no, no. I like the ones I use. Like, for example, I had a buffalo chicken uh, chicken today with a shit ton of different types of cheese for the macaroni. Oh, yeah. I, I had three of them pills. I, I see. I, you like to do you three all at once. I like to be like, all right, we're going to have one. Then we're going to have another a few minutes, a little bit later. Then another one. Let it be. I don't know. That's just my strategy. No, no. I'm, I'm trying to shock the system. <laughs> this is uh, late 30s lactose management with uh, Bobby, Mike, and Mark. Just, oh, yeah. you know, letting you guys know. It's making me hungry. Um, Fair enough. Um, all right, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, we got ourselves a new UFC bantamweight champion. All of us were wrong. Um, though, kind of, he was going to win. It kind of went the way we all kind of said, like, he's going to have to do it early. Sure. He's going to have to, you know, do these things. And, man, Pid did great, honestly. Um, way to go, Sean O'Malley. Um, man manifested this shit. The UFC bet big on him. Um you know, put him in a situation where we'd have a lot of cheers, put him against, uh, you know, it was the right matchup for every, honestly, in terms of uh, the actual fight matchup part of it, it was going to be, it could have been rough, but, you know, he persevered. We'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about the beating we watched in the co-main event, a fight that was, uh, we said was unnecessary. And Mark, I think we can pretty clearly say definitely unnecessary that fight, um, Still sitting here, I don't understand why it wasn't Yan Jonan fighting in that fight, but mm-hmm. whatever. Um, 
talk about uh, Ian Gary uh, getting a win. Um, going to talk about. I mean, he won. Public perception, I think, changing a little bit in the week too. But yeah, that, um, that was you know interesting week for him. It wasn't a patty week, but sure. it wasn't a great <laughs> week either. Yeah. Um, and then again, maybe it's not everybody. Maybe that's just us. But I've looked around and people seem to have a lot of the same opinions you and I did yeah. this week. Uh, rough night for Chris Weidman. We'll mention that. Big win for Cheeto Vera getting off that schneid. I don't think people are giving him enough credit because Pedro Munoz is fucking awesome. And it's very difficult to look mm-hmm. good against Pedro Munoz. He looked really good. I, yeah. And I I think he needed that considering um, his last fight where he kind of just didn't do a mm-hmm. ton. Um but yeah, you don't really look awesome beating Pedro Munoz, and uh, I think Cheeto did a good job. And uh, RoboCop used the power of Jesus and RoboCop to get a win there, which made me very happy. I'm a big Gregory Rodriguez fan. Um, first, let's get into it, Mark. Um, the Sugar Show yeah. prevailed. Uh, Sean O'Malley and Aljamain Sterling, a first round where we had a lot of feeling out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a first round that Everybody gave to all the judges gave to Aljamain Sterling, but I somehow heard people say, I think O'Malley got it, which I'm just like, I think you saw one jab, but cool. Mm. It doesn't matter ultimately. Um, but second round, Mark, Aljo got a little aggressive, uh, a bit too aggressive, it seemed like. Uh, mm. Why do you tell people how we, how Sugar took his, took, how Sugar saved his pretty boring ass card, quite frankly? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, like you said, in that first round, it was a lot of feeling out. It was a lot of, Sterling trying to pressure an O'Malley using some good footwork to stay away from the cage, but not a lot of strikes thrown. You know, it was Sterling using the low kicks, which is kind of, you know, ever since that Vera fight where he got injured, you know, from like potentially a low kick. I think everyone has kind of been utilizing that as a tool against Sean. I mean, obviously, and anytime you fight someone with good footwork, you know, to take away the legs is, is yeah, a good especially strategy. if he's not going to. If he's not going to check any of them, but also probably he's going to be they're going to keep throwing, by the way. Right, and it, with a counter puncher, you don't want to just go in there swinging and giving him those opportunities to find those shots. So it made a lot of sense that he'd utilize a lot of the low kicks. Um, but not a lot of offense coming out from Sean besides that one beautiful jab. He, he, that was a nice Chris snapping jab he hit him with, but it was a lot mm-hmm. of feeling out until the end of the first round where Sterling was able to get him up against the cage. Didn't have enough time to really, I mean, there was like 15 seconds on the clock. There, It wasn't worth his energy to really try to go Did, for a you think he, I didn't think he was really selling out for anything in that first round either. It seemed like he was pretty comfortable managing distance too, especially considering how the second round went for him, like the way he came out in that one. Yeah, it definitely seemed like they were trying to get reads, but it did seem like at the end, Sterling was able to close the distance, was able to get in on him. Not enough time to go for the takedown, but landed a couple shots from the clinch, which I think kind of just solidified him doing enough in that round to win that round, right? And if we're looking at a long five-round fight, there's only five rounds. You know, it's not like a 12-round boxing match. Like, winning a round is kind of vital. You know, it's a fifth of the card. So, he got that in the bag. It wasn't very impressive. You know, come out into the second, he was able to get Sterling up against the cage. He got him on a single leg. And, you know... Mike not have watching the Yan fight last time. He said something that I wanted to correct, but I was like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Because Mike, you didn't see the fight, so you didn't remember. But you kind of, you kind of thought Yan was able to take Sean down at will in his fight, and it wasn't that easy for Yan. Yan was able to take him down. Like he definitely got him down multiple times throughout that fight. But Sean, what I saw in that fight is like this: this dude's kind of scrappy. Um, even when he's on his his ground, he he can scramble. Now I didn't think I think Sterling's wrestling is better enough than Yan's that he would be better at taking him down and better controlling him on the ground. But what I did see in that is like, you know, Sean doesn't give takedowns easy. 
And in this instance, in the second where he had the single leg, he was able to rip up the head. He was able to push away and get away from that initial takedown. You know what I liked uh, from Aljo? And the one of the few things, one of the things I don't think O'Malley kind of messed on was O'Malley stuffed that takedown. Remember when they separated, though, and then Aljo caught him? That's, yeah, like that's exactly what left. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah and I was like, oh, I would have liked to seen how that played out if we, you know, he didn't send us home a minute later. But, like, <laughs> that he see, almost like, like O'Malley viewed, like, oh, the mission is complete. He's mm -hmm. off of me. And Aljo's like, fuck you. The yeah, left no, hook, you know, yeah, that's, that's the next thing. That right when he got out of the takedown, he was in punching range. And Sterling made him pay. He 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 got a couple good shots in, potentially to his de detriment, right? At, at that point, he had some success. And I think he started feeling like, look. The pressure is getting to him enough. If I can get him trapped against the cage, I can pressure him and land some of these shots, get into clinch scenarios, and potentially take him down. And that's where I think things got a little sloppy, where he overextended himself. And it was curtains, right? Uh, Sean landed a beautiful right straight. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, a big talking point about this fight, it was the stoppage, you know. And after watching it multiple times, you, you look at multiple phases of this. And I think you could say that it was stopped a little early. In real time, it didn't seem super bad because essentially, you know, he got hit with the shot that put him down was bad. He not he didn't just get rocked. He got rocked and went face down, you know, basically unconscious for a second. Now, recovered instantly once he once he hit the canvas, he was able to get to his back and then he was utilizing his legs and his hands to try to deflect a lot of Sean's uh, following up shots. Now, most of the shots were coming from Sean. Basically, he was using his dominant right hand to try to control the legs. He was using his non-dominant left hand to throw hammer fist these were being slightly deflected from his arms they were still getting through a little bit but they were being deflected to some extent Bobby, you want to say something yeah no no i'm just thinking i was thinking like i thought honestly like it was reasonable and you guys know i've rooted i've been i picked aljo in every one of these fights probably for about 10 years now right mm -hmm. and i had a Decent amount of money on aljo that was a fine stoppage yeah honestly but, but, that was fine so the, the finishing sequence was he finally mm -hmm. got he landed a devastating right hand he got his dominant hand crushed sterling and at that point what happened was there's like two more follow-up hammer fist and sterling was going to his back now in real time it could be oh that fucking shot cracked him hard which it obviously did and now he's turning his back because his defense of using his legs and his hands to defend himself is no longer working and now he's gone to a complete fetal position to just cover up and take more damage or he's going to his base because he got cracked and he's like, yo, I can't stay down here anymore. I have to get back up. In the moment, Mark Garter has to make a decision. You know, at that point, he had probably been taking ground and pound for about like 10, 15 seconds. There hasn't been a lot of devastating strikes, but he did just take a clean one. He decided to call it, you know, I think obviously in retro. He also rolled over on his belly. When he rolled over well, on his belly was when he was kind of like. Well, that's what mm, I'm saying. Like, he, yeah. it, it's either it's either he's rolling over because he's getting in the fetal position. And he's like, I, I'm just trying to defend myself and I'm just going to take some bombs and not look at where the, I'm not defending myself intelligently. Or I'm building to my base to stand back up. You can't get, you can't go from your back to on your feet unless you do a fucking kickflip, okay? Dude's not in that position right there. So you have to build to your base to get up. So it's one of those things where the referee has to make a tough call in the, you know, in the moment. Given that there had been no other major strikes, I think he probably could have let it go. But, you know, at the end of the day, who knows? He stands back up, he gets head kicked, you, and it's devastating. Do you watch uh, Izzy's videos where Izzy watches fights and, like, he live reacts to them and stuff? No, I mean, I know so he Izzy does, was watching it. Izzy was just like, 
that was honest. And it was very similar to almost Izzy's knockout where you're like, we probably could have let this go. Like when Izzy got knocked out by um, Alex, the big homie Pereira, mm-hmm. where like people are like it could have been longer. Izzy was like, that could have gone longer, but I don't think it was getting any better. And Aljo yeah. himself is just like, man, I don't blame the referee. I, I appreciated how level-headed everybody was about this fight. Yeah, Something I don't think I saw in the Gary fight. But in this one, like, when it was over, you heard O'Malley being like, hey, man, I'll be honest. I was nervous. I'm fighting the best bantamweight in the – I think he said in the world or ever mm-hmm. or one of the two. He said one of those things. Yeah. Like, And he's like, I know what I was up against here. And Aljamain was great, whatever. And then Aljamain gets on the microphone and says – the kid, like, did per he did exactly. I made a mistake. Good for him. Congratulations to him and his family and his team and yada, yada, yada. And then told the crowd, you know, good for, you know, maybe go out there and do what Sean did. Because the crowd, by the way, Boston living up to living up to being Boston, chanting, fuck you, Aljo, which what did Aljo do besides come up with green hair? Like, you know, yeah. And it's just like, like, I was just like, yeah, Boston's going to Boston. I don't, I don't remember Aljo even saying anything bad about Boston. No, he didn't. He could have said everything you and me were saying for the last three months, by the way. Um, and then I watched the video where Aljo has got a YouTube channel. So they have like him backstage and like talking to his team and like mm. very like, uh, he was just like, and then like his team is just like, you know, like, Hey man, You'll bounce back. You know, look, when you get to the top, you can only go up so much farther. Eventually, you come back the other way. But, you know, and Longo is professional. Longo's like, man, you held, you, you, you know, um, you were a great champion. You handled everything with class and, you know, you fought your hardest. And, you know, 100%. the kid got, had his night and you'll have your own night. And they forced you into this fight and they rushed you into this fight and yada, yada, yada. But Aldo's like, yeah, you know, that's true, but no excuses. I lost. I gave the kid, he says, I gave him the one thing I couldn't give him that opportunity basically. So yeah. everybody was very well aware of what was happening, you know, and um after the fight, uh the one thing uh that Mike, I'm not sure if you caught this, but uh you know like I wish Stefan was doing the podcast still cuz Stefan always like to point out when Usman would win, you see his entire family and everybody's dressed nice and more often than not people's families get in the cage, they are dressed very nice and you know. This dude's family look like they are all headed to Long John Silver's later, okay? Ovalis Oh, yeah. man, his dad was wearing a Celtics jersey, but it was like a bootleg one that said sugar oh on it yeah. instead of it's like this. I mean, I'm sure the Celtics gave it to him because they did an event at TD Garden probably. But like his brothers and his one guy's in jorts and a tank top and like his I want to say his sister maybe is wearing this weird dress. That's like the whole midriff is this wide ass open. It was just like. Man, this was the most Florida. I know he's not from Florida, but it was the most Florida man outfit or Florida man family. Mike's trying to find this now, right now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> the post fight interview. I'm so and it's just like I was. I mean, look, good for them. And they were also happy for their <laughs> son, brother. You know, his wife was there. His partner was there, and good for them. But I remember thinking, like, I've said before, Mark, this kid's got a bit of a methy vibe to him. Come Not on, that I yeah. think he's like that, but he has kind of a methy vibe. I don't, you know? I don't know the rappers that have, you know, with, with the tattoos on the face, but he's definitely he, – he's of a different ilk than uh, – I mean, he's generation. from Montana. The yeah. whole thing, I'm like, it's a real methy vibe about this kid. And, like, look, he's a professional, him and Tim, you know, his coach. Um, by the way, Tim. Congrats, but I need you not to shit talk the champion between rounds. This is not a fucking backyard brawl. Yeah, I never heard too much about it. I mean, that was what the announcer said, like, oh, it sounds like Tim whatever was saying something to Aljo. And I was like, the referee, like, it's the only time I've ever seen the referee, like, stop in between rounds and told someone, like, hey, you can't say that. And I was like, 
Yeah. I didn't know that, I didn't know that was a thing. I, I mean, we've had some like... horrible corner people in this yeah. thing, too. We've had, yeah, but anyway. Um, good for him, man. Honestly, it was oh, a yeah. good, it was a great performance. And he, he said it himself today. I think I just, I read the quote before we went on the air. Um, let's see if I can find it again, Mark, where he was talking about how perfectly it went. He's well aware of like the number of things that went well here. And he said he was hurt also. Yeah. Remember? Like that I mean, was that whole story. To, to be fair with both guys, um, I never had anything personally. Like I never had any personal animosity towards like their character or whatever. I always thought, I always thought Sean was a show. I mean, I think for him, he one he made these moments for himself ever since the contender series, he had the viral knockout and then he took that, that stardom and that light that they gave him and fucking ran with it. Right. And that's what, and that's what you have to do in this organization. You mm -hmm. can't, it, you can't expect the organization to get behind you and run with it. What you can't expect is if you run with it and you make yourself a huge star, they'll clamp onto you and be like, Oh, okay. This guy seems to be popular. Maybe we'll put some, you know, money behind him or put some marketing behind him. So, you know, nothing but, you know, I think smart moves on his part too, you know, be able to garner these moments and then capitalize on them. And then with Sterling, it's like, you know, the, the more I've been very critical of his fights. I think how he handles himself outside is he's always been a professional. I think he's always had good little sound bits um, and stuff like that. And then kind of learning that, like, look, this dude's a wrestler. We have to kind of understand these wrestlers, they're athletes and they're not always here to put on exciting performances. They're there. They're there to win. Right, they're there to win belts and to win fights to to get I money. Mean, yeah, it's not always about putting on you know flashy performances. Well, I told you also. I think from the moment that he asked for what the moment his first contract came up and he let it get to free agency and he actually asked for money. Right, That's that funny. was the moment that Dana White was like, "Fuck this kid." Yeah, that you knew it was that moment. Not just him. It's not all Dana. Dana's the front man for a organization that, but like it's all like. This kid is going to be difficult to right, deal with because right. he has the odd. He has he went to college and he knows he's worth a certain number of dollars. He's putting it out there to the public as well. It's not just like, hey, we're going to negotiate my contract. It's like I'm going on a a well known podcast and I'm talking about how I'm a free agent and I mm -hmm. want these guys to fight over me and they don't want to create that competition. So it's never been about that. But like for Sean, it's been very much. It, it was easy, you know. I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, you know, like. I always knew it all along he was going to be this. Like, look, you look at who he's fought, his top competition, and he struggled. So there's no reason why we would think that he would just be able to slide right through Sterling, who has. He, didn't he have one win over a guy still in the UFC before this fight? He had like one win over a guy still in the UFC. Wasn't that a thing or something? Mostly what I'm talking about is like his top, top competition. We look at the four top fighters he's fought in now. Mm. Uh, Vera, he lost, right? Injury or not, like, he, he, he lost that fight. Mm. Munoz was a very middling fight where he had a no contest, right? And then you had the Jan fight, which was very close. And I think that was his big coming out party where he looked like, okay, maybe he can actually hang with these top guys. That was his last fight. And then he's fighting Sterling, who has beaten Jan and has proven himself to be, you know, one of the best, if not one of, you know, the best bantamweight. So it was very easy to be like, well, this might be a really tough go for him. But, you know, he made it work. And he capitalized again. So, like, you can do nothing but take your hat off. And you have to, you know, I feel I'm super glad for him and his star power. The UFC, this is exactly what they needed. Because, look, it, whatever you feel about Sterling, I would even say DJ, Cody, they've had, they've even had some exciting champions, but they haven't had a star. Even Dominic, like, Dominic was popular, but I don't, he was not a star. He did not really, I don't think, push numbers. Like, I think Sugar can. Can he hold on to the title? Can they? Can can this longevity go on? I really don't know. But they have a star here, and they've 
they kind of need that. Yeah, I mean, they cultivated it. They made it happen. Right, um, right. They did there was a lot of... Honestly, like, I saw... Fuck, my dog just scared the shit out of me. Came underneath me. I was like, what the fuck? Um, the, I saw some weird... A couple media members, which I know depend on the UFC for content. It almost felt like I was watching them do PR for the UFC, where they're like... I was the guy would be like, Aljo says he had to work so much harder before he got a title shot. But O'Malley only got a title shot 400 days sooner than Aljo did. And I'm like, did you look how many times Aljo fought versus how many times this guy fought yeah. and who Aljo fought and how many times he had to win? Like, don't get me wrong. The kid's a champion of the world. He beat the champion. He deserves the belt. Yeah. But let's not lie to ourselves about what happened. It's the same <laughs> thing as when Connor Connor was going to get the, the title shot off of the Dennis Sieber win. Do you remember? And then yeah. the only reason he fought Mendez was because Aldo broke a rib. And Connor still fought. Connor then, that was almost like for me, I'm like, okay, well, now he definitely fucking deserves it. He just iced Chad Mendez sure. in seven minutes. Yeah. Like, I don't care, like, short notice or not, I fucking Connor had a torn yeah. knee anyway. But, like, you had, Mike, that you had was why the thing where people, I, I, what? Mike had his hand up a minute ago and I, oh, I sorry, steam rolled over him. So I want to, I want to hear, I want to hear his, Mike, no. go ahead. Sorry, buddy. On sugar. No, you're fine. It was just uh, confirmed to you because I looked at Sean O'Malley's uh, wins in the UFC. Uh, yeah, only two people that he's being us in the UFC. Um, the Last former week. champion and Peter Yan. Yep. And uh, impressive 400K in bonuses he's accrued so Ooh. far in the UFC. I mean, he gets those bonuses before he's even fought the fight. Let's just be honest in some of these. <laughs> um, no, the kid's good. I The thing I didn't like, Mark, and Mike, actually, I'll get you go to you on this. So even before the fight, he was saying, I'm going to win and I'm going <laughs> to fight Cheeto after this, after if Cheeto wins. Mm -hmm. And I remember, Mike, I was – even Mark and I talked about it where we're both just like, Cheeto's not the number one contender. You're also not the number one contender. The guy who took your jacket is the number one contender. The number one contender to this title, okay, assuming it's not Aljamain Sterling, who, by the way, Aljamain Sterling saying the most self-aware moment, honestly, was when he said – they said, are you going to 145? He's like, look, I just got knocked out at 135. I can only imagine what Volkanovsky would do to me. He literally said that, Mike, by the way. Um, but Vol Aljamain said, I would like an immediate rematch. I think I deserve it. He's not getting it. We all knew this the minute he won the title. They're never going to let him get another. It was like, when, remember when Tyron Woodley? We're like, the second he loses his title, they're never letting him get another crack at this thing. Like, Aljo was the same thing. They share some traits. Um, but Mike, um, he said, uh, Cheeto Vera, is, I'll fight Cheeto. And then he won the fight, and he's like, I'll fight Cheeto. And I'm Mark and I are just sitting there like, man, we like everything this kid has done pretty much tonight, but there's a little demon that's about four inches shorter than him. That's the real number one contender to that weight to that uh title. Is there any True. chance they is there they're gonna let they're not gonna let Marab near him, are they? True, there is a little demon that's about four inches shorter than Cheeto Vera, but there's another demon that's even smaller than Marab. And it's the demon that's been in his head for the last three years. Let's face it. He has one loss, and it's to Cheeto Vera. Um, while Marab might be the number one contender in Sean O'Malley's head, he wants to get that win back. And while Cheeto might not be, let's say, the number one contender, it's not like he's chopped liver. If he's not the number two or, num or if he's not the he's number two. He's behind Sandhagen, too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, so he's, he's what, the best case three. Mm -hmm. What's Aljamain Sterling in this equation? Uh, never fighting for the yeah, title. Yeah, but we're talking again. about contenders. 
Well, doesn't matter. We're talking he, about he's not. He's not a contender because Dana White is never going to let him fight. So I'm not even this, counting him. Mike, they make up this stupid-ass rankings that nobody believes anyway. Right now, number one is Marab. They're going to make it put another version out. How are they going to put a version out? <laughs> if they put a version out where Cheeto's number one contender, I'm just going to laugh. Listen, I'll be honest. Listen, <laughs> they could put Aljo as the number one contender because that's what they normally do with the guys who, who lose the title. I'm not counting that. He's never seen the title again. All right. So in my head, Cheeto is either the number two or the number three ranked person. And the champ lost to him. And I'm I've never been a fighter. I think the last fight I won was in the fifth grade. And but for these guys, they don't like having that hanging over them, I can only imagine. So I don't think it's him trying to get an easier fight. I don't think that's it at all. I have a feeling you guys don't believe that yourself, even though you might disagree with who he wants to fight next. But I think this is a pride thing uh, for him as a fighter. I think he's trying to get an easier fight too. I don't think it's. I don't think it's calling him a coward either. I think you got to make business decisions as a fighter, and it's a good business decision to fight Cheeto Vera, not just because it's a. More like he has a better chance of winning, but also because it sells more. I don't think he's being yeah. a coward. I, th I think I, think I don't think he's. I would never call any of these fighters anything about being scared, except Jermaine Durand Jermaine Durandamy, who refused oh, to fight yeah, Cyborg yeah, yeah. that whole time. That, <laughs> that was, was hilarious. But was besides that, um, on um, even that, I'm kidding. But like, yeah, Mark, you wanted to say, but like, yeah, there's money here. There's yeah, money I, to be made. I think I think it's both those things. I, I think I think Mike's right, I and mean, it, it is because before this fight, he was saying like, I want to fight. Vera again like he has to win the Munoz fight but like that's the fight and I think it is because it's his only loss I think all the points Mike makes makes a lot of sense but I think it's also like I think they're the thing is too is like with uh Mahab or Marab or whatever like I, there is a story there I think he's saying like oh with uh Marlin there's a story because we fought the whole job I mean and honestly um Mahab has done a great job competing and getting the W's right but like I told you, Bobby, like off, you know, off camera, like the, the best thing he's done for his career was put that fucking jacket on. That was better than any win he's ever gotten, honestly, because no one gave it. Dude, like, he honestly, kicked the shit out of Peter Yawn. People love that. You he don't did, think people, but, that was a big deal? I don't even. That was in front of people. I don't even remember that Peter Yawn fight. Did he beat the shit out of him? Dude, he, 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 he took. He attempted forty nine takedowns. Peter Yawn looked like he needed oxygen six yeah, minutes into the fight. Because I don't remember. I remember him winning. It wasn't remember, even close. And I remember the Jose fight. Honestly, Bobby, like he beat, he beat, he beat. Jose one was bad. That's why people hold the battle hold it, against him because he it was boring. Against Yawn, it was a twenty five minute drubbing. He beat Peter Yawn's ass better than Aljo ever did. Better than fucking O'Malley ever did. Sure. Better than anybody ever did. He's. I mean. I still we, think putting that jacket week. on was the best thing he's done. His oh no, that was hilarious! Career. But like you said it last week, these guys are fighting for Marab's belt. You said that last week too, right? Well, like, I, I think that's... well, that was also before Sterling just cracks. Uh, I mean, that's before O'Malley just knocked out Sterling too, because I was like, I didn't think O'Malley was going to win, and I thought Sterling mm. was going to go up, and then Mahab would take over. Um, but I mean, I do think. Look, I think there is enough pride there for the Vera fight. I feel like he does have something to earn. I, and, and, and to Mike's thing, too, like, I don't think that's an easy fight for him, too. Like, I still think that's a oh, tough fight. No. Stylistically, it matches up better with him. He's going to fight another striker. But the thing he that... He fucking beat him. Yeah, <laughs> Already, but, too. But like, with, he beat him. With Marlon is like... this. I, I, we're gonna, we'll get into the, the his fight as well, which I thought he looked really good. And, like, that dude is so tough and durable, and his defense is really good. And if you can't get that strike on him, how are you going to finish him? You know, like, he's been very difficult to finish... So how is, you know, Sean going to finish that fight? I think that there, there's intrigue there, but it is also the fact like, yeah, 
he has at least two guys. If I mean, honestly, he has three guys in front of him. It doesn't make the most logical step. And is the UFC going to kind of kowtow to their new champion this quickly? Or are they going to be like, yo, we kind of, we run it by the book. I, they're probably going to kowtow. They're, they're going to want to, because I think they probably see it too. Like, I'm not saying he's as good as him. But um, when Connor became champion and we're all fucking around here and stuff, um, Marab is the Khabib in this equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the one we all looking at and saying, that's the one. Because Aljo's a bad style matchup, right? And he got it mm-hmm. done. Man, this dude just has unlimited cardio. He might run into a punch. He might run into a punch. So he, he just fights recklessly mm-hmm. a little bit, but... That's what I want to see. It's not that I want the kid to lose his title. On some level, this is a goddamn sport, right, guys? Right. Like, on the <laughs> most base level, he's won fucking nine straight. No, ten straight, nine straight. Who do you need him to beat? You know what? The UFC's an exact type of assholes to be like, we need uh, we need Marab to beat Aljo. <laughs> They're definitely the type of assholes. I thought it'd be that. him and Corey haven't fought yet, right? And those are t- kind of the two front I think runners. Corey's got a torn triceps. Okay. That's what's yeah. gonna happen here. They're gonna say Marab's not. They're gonna tell Marab, we need you to fight on like six weeks' notice in a fucking place where you can't get a visa or some shit. And somehow Cheeto already has the fucking visa in hand then, or some bullshit. And then Dana White's gonna be like, he doesn't want to fight. Okay, <laughs> we're thirty minutes into this podcast, um, so let's go. Um, Aljamain Sterling, maybe get that, get those injuries healed that you couldn't get healed to, that when they made you take this fight. Oh, you earned it, man. You were the most active champion. You and Volkanovski were easily the two most active champions this company had. Um, they, you probably shouldn't have taken this fight, obviously, knowing the result. But, hell, man, you might have still gotten knocked out two months later. But ultimately, a, way, a, a title reign that is not going to get the credit it deserves. But the other day, someone said Aljamain Sterling right now is the greatest UFC bantamweight ever. And if you use that exact sentence, UFC bantamweight, honestly, it's probably him. Just because... We're not counting WEC if, for some reason. Yeah, I was right. going to say, if not using no, it's Dominic. UFC. Oh, yeah, it's God. Dominic. I mean, shit, Miguel Torres has a claim to some of this stuff, too. No one, we have a, we could do a whole podcast, me talking about how many about wins how did, Torres... uh, How many wins did Dominic have as Bantamweight when in WEC? I think he had like three or four defenses in the WEC alone. He beat Benavidez in there. He beat, he beat that... Faber? Did he beat Faber? No, WEC? Faber beat him in WEC. He, he did that in the UFC. Yeah. Anyway, co-main event. By the way, uh, we're talking about money on the table, not booking the Cheeto fight with the belt on the line. I get why they would do that because I'm looking at the co-main event of this fight, Mark, and I think the idea that we're we just like we mm-hmm. had China versus China on the line and we could have done it and we didn't do that. So, I mean, I don't know what else we say besides Amanda Lemos is tough as shit, and um, mm-hmm. besides a Darce that was maybe a little kind of almost not really in for about twelve about ten seconds, not a lot happened except um, fourth round. When they were on their feet, I know we don't have, we're already half an hour in. We're not going to go through full breakdown and everything, but anytime they were on their feet, Whaley was getting hit, to be honest. Um, Except for Amanda the fifth. cracks. <laughs> oh, the fifth was when Shift hit the fan, really. Yeah, that she point, cracked but, her. Like, but in the first couple rounds, anytime, like, I thought Whaley was going to submit her. I thought that was a live thing the whole time because I thought Whaley at this point is smart enough not to put herself in these terrible positions she used to do where she would just walk forward like she's Vanderlei Silva with her hands in her pockets. Um, but yeah, uh, Amanda Lemos is so tough. So tough. Um, but this should have been Yan Jonan. And now, um, you know, you got Tatiana Suarez saying she wants a title shot. Mm-hmm. Mark, they're not going to 
they can't punt China versus China, right? Are we? What are we doing, right? Like, there, there's money to be made. It's right there. I, I mean, I mm-hmm. think that's a good fight, and I think the Suarez fight's good. So I think there's a couple contenders, and and overall, you know, what we've seen with Wei Ling is like we're seeing a fighter evolve here. Like she's evolving to a more well-rounded fighter, where it's not just yeah, berserker rage, a lot of power. We're seeing the wrestling, we're seeing the grappling. Now, I would have liked to see a finish here. She got in some really dominant positions where she had some good ground and pound opportunities, opportunities to, you know, potentially go for some submissions. But, you know, Lamo showed to be very durable. Um, so it was it was a good performance for her yeah, to the, kind of put the herself crowd on the was map. dead, honestly. Most of the crowd, mm-hmm. the crowd was pretty much dead, um, which with my stereotypical view of this crowd, it all kind of lined up together. Um, I think getting Rose kicking her upside her fucking head changed Whaley a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that, and then she went to work with Henry, and I think Henry, if you remember the uh, second Rose fight, how close it was, I mean, I think we all thought Rose won, but, like, Henry Cejudo being the schmuck that he is, him and Eric Albarracin, they did a lot of good work with Whaley, I thought, uh, making her a more, cautious isn't the word I'm looking for, but less reckless, I think, mm-hmm. fighter, and um, her grappling keeps evolving, as you mentioned, she she finished Carla on the ground, I really thought she was going to finish Lemos, too, the second it was yeah. on the ground, I'm like, well, we're going home, here, um, if you had to guess, gun to your head, Mike. Are they going to book Jan Vajonan versus uh, Whaley, or are they going to book Tatiana Suarez versus Whaley? I think they do. I think they do big. Which one? Uh, Jan Shonan. Okay. UFC hasn't been in China since August of 2019. Uh, pandemic is now at least officially over. And <laughs> <laughs> ask the people, ask another guy in this podcast, yeah. my girlfriend. A lot of people are. <laughs> Oh dang! Girlfriend got it too. Oh yeah. <laughs> ah shit, man. Yeah. Yo, fake news that COVID's over. Uh, man, Dude, we got we got hurricanes and COVIDs and COVID in California right now. <laughs> uh, but the UFC has to be looking to go back to China. I mean, even Dana White, I think back in May or June of uh, of this year, said that he would want to book Yan and Wei Li in China. So. I had to assume that the U.S. will be going back to China in the next six months or so. So it just makes all the sense now that we've gotten past the, this particular title defense. The UFC is not going to pass up this opportunity to have a China versus China uh, championship fight in China. Uh, so Tatiana is going to have to wait. So I well I think they'd be stupid to pass it up. We are all talking about the guys who had three Mexican champions and managed not to go to Mexico. I'm there's starting... not as much money. There's not as much money in Mexico. I know there's not some not as much money, but they also spent a decade cultivating the Mexican market just to fuck this up. Like I don't think these guys. I don't think they're doing a particularly good job. I think ESPN. I mean, this is a larger conversation we can say for a time where there's less stuff going on. But I think ESPN is why this company is as hot as it is. And I don't think it's that bold of a statement, Mike. We've seen it before with other sports. Like, it's a different thing when ESPN has a vested interest in airing your product. So, you know, the NBA, how much it got was on ESPN before and after the ESPN deal is a different conversation, you know? So, um, I think it's going to be Whaley also. Mark, you probably, I mean, it's going to be Jan also. Mike, you, Mark, you, I think it's going to be Jan also, right? I'm imagining. I mean, yeah, I think that's the, ideal scenario I, I did see an article i guess today where Wayling said she wanted to fight suarez which i thought was interesting 
It, it could be like, you know, she doesn't want to fight one of her countrymen or something along those lines. But... Anderson was always like, remember Anderson was like offended if a Brazilian wanted to fight him. And I'm like, there's only one belt, Anderson. <laughs> which, which is weird is I remember back in the Pride days, they used to say like, yeah, Brazilians don't like fighting each other in international competition. When they're fighting in Brazil, it's like they have like home stakes or something. And it's like, oh, they're, they're fine with it. But when they do like international, they didn't like to do it or something. I don't know. Um, but we'll see. I mean, what, what I'm excited about is like those two fights are really appealing for different reasons. Um, but yeah, having a, having two Chinese fighters fighting China just makes like, that's a win-win scenario as I see it. So, and I, but I agree with you, Bob, like, I think it is more of a scheduling problem and it does seem like the matchmaking is shooting from the hip. Cause it's like, we got fucking cards every week now, man. We can't schedule this shit to make a big I mean, event. We, we gotta... lost when they pulled Rob. I know this is not a big deal to a lot of people, but the people like us, when they pulled Rob font and song right. out of this card, mm -hmm. And they killed the Song Yadong fight. I remember all of us, all three of us were like, yo, did they not know on paper how much that fight's going to rule? Like, what are we doing? And, like, we sent Rob Font out there to fight a guy with no notice, to like, on yeah. short notice to get, like, taken down at will for 25 minutes just because they fucked up. And I don't know. Didn't know that that was the only band in way that could do that job. All right. Um, I'm so, I have so much respect for Amanda Lemos, though. So tough. For sure. She could have rolled over at any point in there, and we would have been fine with it. Never mentally gave up. One second of no. that fight. And she has, I said it a bunch of times, I love her hair. I think she's rocking that shit, too. <laughs> Why do you like those highlights so I much? Thought like really I thought she had a good haircut. I thought she had a good haircut, man. I think it's a good haircut. Um, real, like, Halle Berry fucking, like, you know, 10 years ago type sure, look she has yeah. going on with the hair. Um, Ian Machado Gary and um, Neil Magny. We don't need to get too far into this. Um thought Ian Gary, Ian Gary was coming off like an asshole in the buildup when the fight was Jeff Neal. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, he was selling t-shirts with Jeff Neal's mugshot on it. And look, yeah, Jeff Neal shouldn't have gotten a DUI. Okay. Shouldn't do that. I know people who've done it. It's not good. Shouldn't drink and drive, right? I don't know. I, I think I told you this, Mark, where I'm just like, maybe I'm getting old, but I'm like, it's not necessary just to be an asshole for being a sake, for the sake of being an asshole. What are we doing here? Like, you, you, To be fair, your asshole radar was kind of on point because you, you mentioned it with that thing. And I was kind of like, oh, I didn't see it, so it didn't really affect me. And then like when they changed see, the I gotta opponent. Be like you. I got to be like you where you don't even hear this shit. I got to do that because I see I still follow like some MMA fighter, MMA shit on Twitter where they'll tell me this shit's happening. I'm like, why did I read this? But but it was this thing, like, you kind of had this on his radar. I was like, yeah, this guy's kind of being a dick. And then, like, you know, Neil Magny said some weird shit about beating his kid, which I think was taken somewhat out of context or something. I don't yeah. think... And, you know, and then, you know, Ian Geary just, like, went fucking off and it just became this whole thing. You know, to, to the point where it was, like, it was the whole buildup for the fight was about like how Magni said this thing, which I think was just like kind of maybe worded poorly. I he's, don't he's think... trying to say like I'm gonna son you basically. I'm gonna like yeah. you can, I'm gonna you're like the, like the you know I'm gonna spank you like a child type and, bullshit because you're Gary young. Made that type it of seem like he beats his kid like savagely. Yeah, that didn't. That did. By the way, nobody was following the Ian Gary train of thought. Everybody exactly. was just like, why is he yelling so much? It, he was just yelling the whole press the conference. Whole press he conference, yelled. Yeah, and then to the point like in the fight, like so the fight itself, like look at this. If you take away all the the kind of like weird bad blood, like this was a bludgering, like you know, I, and I picked for whatever reason, I just had Magny being able to pull this off because you know he's he's a veteran, he's had a lot of high high profile fights, he's had a lot of big wins. Um, but first first strike of the fight, Ian Geary lands him with a low kick, and uh, Magny's leg shot, you know, and basically was fighting with one leg to the to the and then you know to the point where it's like he's giving him a beating throughout this round to the point where the commentators and everyone's like. 
he kind of needs to put this away, right? Like whether he just targets that leg or he's he's able to find that shot to put him away. Like you're fighting a one-manned, you're fighting a one-legged fighter for 15 minutes and you're this good and you've talked this much shit and you're giving him the bird when, you know, in between rounds and there's all this animosity. Like put, put that hate to work and put this guy away instead of making us see you pepper him for the rest of the fight. And he wasn't able to do it. It was just a weird thing where it's like, hey, this was a good, solid, big win for him. That's just kind of like muttered with all of this bullshit around it. So, you know, hey, good for him. He, he comes he off like he's doing a Conor McGregor impersonation. Yeah. And I literally saw a super cut of like the different quotes matching up. And like, look, I guess like some people like I follow Pete Carroll. He's a good MMA journalist from Ireland. He's like, honestly, the kid's been like this since he was an amateur. I've known him mm-hmm. that long. You know what? Maybe a Conor was fighting back then, too, because I honestly I saw it and I was just like, I don't know what I was supposed to be that I could honestly the leg kick and I know I'm kind of a Neil Magny mark I get it but like I didn't think he was going to win this fight and I also like when he landed the leg kick your and my first thought was that didn't land that clean there's no way like because I, I think both of us had the same thought we're like Ian might have been gone into this fight with like something. Usually, a like I'm not saying kick, he did or didn't, but it came off like a that. calf kick. Mm-hmm. Usually, you got to get a couple before like it, it literally was the first kick he dropped to his butt. Like it, 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 it wasn't even like down. he hit him like that. Like so, it's just kind of like it was just kind of like too. man. Usually, it takes a couple before you see that kind of wear and tear where like the guy cannot stand in that stance and all these things. But you know, it is what it is. You know, whatever happened, it's just kind of like he muddled his. I feel like his personal perception is kind of muddled. What could have been a very clean Whoa, victory. What do you so. mean? We're all, um, we all, uh, he's carrying the car, oh, right? Yeah, I mean, all that BS. When I read that, I was just like, no one's ever, no one knows who he is. No one has ever paid two cents to watch you fight before, bro. And all that you came off of uh, as was just an asshole. And maybe that's fine for people. I don't know, man. Yeah. yeah. I remember thinking about like O'Malley. I'm like, I kind of like O'Malley. I just think I like O'Malley. I didn't think, I don't think O'Malley's an asshole. I think O'Malley's stupid shit where you won't recognize losses is kind of stupid, but whatever. His fans seem to be assholes though. Ian Gary himself is the asshole. He actually is the asshole himself. Ian Gary is what it, you know, he did. But he got a win. Good for him. Yep. Uh, I thought Demond Blackshear won, but I also was half paying attention. We'll move on from there. Um, we got to pick the pace up here, Mark. We're not giving this guy his proper due, but Cheeto Vera needed that win and he looked good doing it. And yeah, the very technical sound performance of beating up Pedro Munoz. I think he blanked him, if I'm not mistaken. I'll check, but yeah, you one, one judge had it, uh, 29 28, if I'm right. Oh, okay. okay, well, two of them didn't, so we're gonna assume the other two knew what they were talking about. Ben Cartledge, yeah, he's been fucking up here recently, anyway. Um, it looks like most people, wow. MMA media two to one were scoring it for Munoz. I didn't see that. Weird. Yeah. I, I mean, also wonder whoever if whoever recorded this did just didn't read it well. But I don't know. Yeah. We we were watching it together um, with people, so there was a lot of socializing. So I was not like glued in. But like what I saw from Vera was like his hands were going, he was landing, and you know his offense seemed really good. So I was I was impressed. It was a good performance. I mean, there's a weight class. They gave a title shot to Jose Aldo after he lost the fight, oh, yeah. so it doesn't matter. They can get the Jacob book the Cheeto fight. Chris Weidman's <laughs> leg got compromised fairly early in this fight with uh, Brad Tavares. Um, and uh, I guess he tore one of the CLs, as Dana White eloquently put it. And then right. Dana White said, please retire, which I don't. And w- w- Weidman said he's coming back, which, I mean, Mike, Mike, you said it before the podcast. Or which one? Was it Mike? Was it you or Mark who said, well, you could just cut him? I, you know, that's what I don't you. understand. It's like, why is the president well, being like, you should retire? Like, hey, well, Ma- Mike, something. what happens if they cut him, though? What happens if they cut Chris Weidman? Well, if they cut him, he's going to go to another promotion, and 
even him being compromised, he's still a name. And the UFC ain't trying to give nothing away. Yeah, and then um, Joe Lazon tried to get on this card, and he said he got no responses. And Dana White said, first he said, oh, the fight card is full. And I'm like, I saw this fight card. You could have put Joe Lazon versus anybody on this, and it would have been an improvement, okay? Even if it's the ghost of Joe Lazon. And then he says, Joe Lazon needs to retire too. Which I'm just like, let's just cut these dudes. Though Joe is half retired. Joe honestly was just like, it's in Boston. It's perfect scenario. I'm at home. I think I could help sell the fights, you know? I don't know. Chris Weidman, remember Chris, how Chris Weidman was real pissed this week that he was on the prelims? Mm-hmm. Um, and look, the fight wasn't good. And But no. I understand where he's coming from. He said it. He's like, man, they put me on the main card, the first fight card after the, you know, with a crowd, you know, post-pandemic. And he says everything I've done for this company. And, like, they sent him to Albany to talk to assembly people for to get MMA legalized and all these things. And I'm like... Chris, you just learning they don't care about you? You're done. You, they used you up, bro. You know, they're just... What, what, where's the a laundry analogy, Mike? Give it to me. Where are we with him to them? Huh? Is he... Where is he to them? Um, He's not damp. He's not wet. He's not even washed. He has been washed. He is hanging on the, uh, the, the clothespins on the drying rack. And he's about ready to be folded up and put in a closet. There you go. Honestly, um, there's a real butterfly effect thing of Weidman and that wheel kick he threw against Chris Weidman. Uh, Chris, uh, against Luke Rockhold like 10 years ago. <coughs> Everything uh, fell apart after yeah. that. Way, after that, like that was the same night Connor knocked out Jose Aldo, by the way. That's how long ago it was. UFC wow, 194. Really? UFC 194. That's when he did it. And he was winning that fight. He was he winning that wheel- fight. Yeah, that he, he threw, threw that the wheel kick. Ass wheel kick. <laughs> he fell over. Luke got on top of him and just beat his ass. And then he was never the same. Ass, Fucking, shit. I'm sure. I guarantee you, this dude thinks about that at night. But like, why did I throw that? You know. Um, I don't even throw that shit in practice. And uh, what else? What was the other? We had uh, anything else in the prelims? You um, about Robocop. Robocop. <laughs> fucking rules. Robocop fucking <laughs> rules. He says, I'm here because of Jesus. I'm Robocop. And I was like, that sounds like Jesus made you a Robocop. Um, and uh, the ultimate fighter happened. Um, Andre Porosky on the undercard uh, on the pre- early prelim said he wants to fight Bo Nickel. I mean, okay, sure. I don't care. <laughs> you can fight him. You're 10 and 1. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah. You're ten and one and thirty-two years old. You're from Pennsylvania, isn't that motherfucker from Pennsylvania too? I think. At least Maybe. from Penn State. Yeah, I don't think this guy. I don't, I don't know if this guy went to college. Uh, oh, he went to. He attended University of North Carolina Chapel Hill with a full wrestling scholarship for two years. Ooh, look at and that. And then he went to Bloomington University of Pennsylvania and finished his degree at Cutstown University of Pennsylvania, which I don't know what that is. Um. He's a he had he's a former heroin addict. Interesting. Anyway, um, yeah, this card wasn't great to be honest. The undercard was much better than the uh, main card, though. The main card blew. Um, I really enjoy watching Andrea Lee get beat up because, and it sounds bad when I put it like that, but Andrea Lee is on her second um, piece of uh, racist uh, partner in her corner. We're on the second one. There was another one. Who had the Nazi tattoos, and there's this one, this one who called Brazilians lazies or something, Tony Kelly. 
So you got to judge people sometimes by the company they keep, Mike. Just saying. The heart wants what the heart wants, Bobby. And it's white dudes who don't like minorities. Um, I mean, her name is Andrea KGB Lee. Like A uh, couple things of news same. to note before we start making picks for this card next week, which quite frankly is a really good one. Um, Myra Buena Silva tested positive. She announced today mm-hmm. uh, that fight card. She had some like medication that's consistent with the ADD stuff she takes, I guess. Or ADHD, I guess. I don't know. So, I don't know. Who gives a shit? She smoked Holly Holm. I'd like to see her fight someone. Wait, they still test people for performance-enhancing drugs? Oh, somebody tested when was the positive. Last time, when was the last time someone tested positive for that shit? This yeah, week. Well, Daniel Rodriguez um, too, right? Daniel Rodriguez got hit with that, some of the bullshit one. He got hit with, like, Osterine, Mike. Like, the, the one that, like, come on, man. Like, if you're not, if you, as, like, the only one worse to get tested positive for is that, that Stanazol shit. Where you're like, how are you taking these 2004 drugs, man? Like, what is this? <laughs> the whole thing about USADA and all these drug testing is they catch the, the broke fighters. The ones who don't know to take, you know, don't have people to get the good stuff for them. So, and uh, other things to mention, uh, Larissa Pacheco. Iced a girl in 14 seconds on uh, the PFL card on Friday. The third time fighting a woman. Shout out to Larissa. I had three units on that pick, Mike. Three units on Larissa by uh, knockout. It was only minus 225. And it was the third time she'd done it to this one girl. So, not bad. Um, Wait, she's knocked out the same girl three times? In the first round, all three Each times. Each time fast. First the time, same girl. Four minutes, two minutes, 14 seconds. And then the girl missed weight this time, which I told Mark was like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Is, Let's is try something Larissa, new. Uh, are we just living in Larissa Pacheco's create a, like, create a dynasty mode? Well, because... she'd, probably be, she'd be Kayla Harrison finally. But that's just this is, the PFL is running a merit-based system on some level, you know, except when they feel like a fight got boring and nobody advances. Um, but she fights the same people a lot because the good people win end up in the playoffs every year. So that's what happens there. Uh, Conor McGregor says that he's probably not fighting in Vegas uh, in December. Oops. Which... <laughs> Actually, have flight to go to Vegas that weekend anyway with our friend Phil, and I was just like, I told them we won't be going either way, but it would be cool if we were in town for Connor fighting. <laughs> um, so uh, Dana saying maybe January. I don't know. <laughs> January is less than six months from now, so I also start, don't care. Just you book need to the start fucking fight. In cups. Come on. <laughs> just book the fucking fight. Who cares? True. <laughs> True. Michael Chandler said there's a time limit to when for the when for this fight for him, and I'm like, yeah, no, there's not. Oh, that's that's cute. <laughs> that's not. that's cute, Michael. Yeah, the the time limit is up until the point Nate Diaz fights to science to fight Conor McGregor instead. That's that's the time limit for that. Um, and uh, I don't know if we did we talk about the UFC lawsuit last week, Mark. We didn't. No, huh? I don't think we did. I mean, it's still ongoing. There's nothing finalized, but it's progressing negatively for them. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the class we got class certification, um, which Mike, neither one of us is an expert in uh, class action lawsuits. But do you remember what class Speak certification means? <laughs> no, seriously. Do you know anything about it? Class certification? Uh, outside of um, it just becomes just one big case. Um, that's all I know. Yeah. Basically, all the all these fighters don't need to individually sue the UFC. They all, by default, are suing the UFC together. Right. If you were on a UFC roster, you are part of this lawsuit. And the way this judge wrote his class certification thing, I, if I was the UFC, I would be very worried about how this is going. Because he ripped their contract to shreds, okay? 
about their anti-competitive behavior and their ridiculous contracts that just because they've got other organizations doing it too doesn't make it any less illegal. And he just carved it up like a Thanksgiving turkey. So they got to hope for a different judge, I think, would be hope for a different judge. Is this in, uh, uh, it's in Nevada? Yeah, they'll pay off whoever need to pay off for this to work out for them, though. No, they're going to settle. We know they're going to settle. Um, they need to settle. They don't need a judgment that says their contracts are illegal. They really don't need a judgment that destroys their entire business model, right, Mike? Like, we can't let it get that far, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> that seems like it would be a problem uh, if someone finds that their contract isn't worth the fucking paper it's printed on. Seems like it would be bad for them, you know. Well, it might, it might be a little hard for them, I think, now, considering that it's a class action suit. Um, you can settle. I mean, yeah, but you, you would think that this number of fighters... Um, oh, you don't have to settle with all of them individually. Oh, well, you can. You can go after... You can start picking off the class, but the class is too big. Though, honestly, they could probably offer all these fighters who are from a more poor country pennies in the dollar to sign away their rights to the class, but it is a couple thousand fighters in this class now. So almost 1200. Yeah, there we go. Um, and uh, I don't know if we talked about it, but last week or whatever it was when the UFC said that so-and-so was the first Cameroonian fighter in the UFC or in UFC history, everybody was just <laughs> like, why are they trying to arrest France or erase Francis and Ganu from history? And Francis and Ganu just went, I wasn't the first Cameroonian fighter either. It was so could you, but they should, you shouldn't let them erase history, which I was just like, Seems like a real stupid act overall. Why would you do this? Because there's no way only one person did it. Like, I, I listen to some graphics people talk about this, like the MMA Hours graphics people. They're like, there's no way less than 10 people saw that. Like, it, 10 people saw that graphic before it went on the air. It so. could be. It, I mean, look, I'm not trying to defend the UFC, but they it could be, be they just thought he was French. No, I just I just assumed they were incompetent, and someone wrote this down at his role. Or maybe they meant like. Well, I guess that's what I was assuming as well. I, I I was kind of just assuming incompetence. I guess what I maybe was also as well. like they just the, the, the one person thought they meant ever, and it was really just current only Cameroonian fighter on the roster. So, all right, let's. Uh, I guess I don't know what else there is to hit at this point. Let's just talk about pick some fights. Yeah. Um, yep. Michelle Pereira, by the way, moving up to one eighty five. <clears throat> Which he probably should when he missed weight by five pounds. There you go. And Kai Kara France pulls out of his out of one of the, the only other interesting fight on, uh, on that pay per view in Australia because he got knocked out in sparring and has a concussion. Which much respect yeah, for someone actually right doing move. that because you should you should do that. Um, okay, UFC 292 ended. We are now moving on to UFC Fight Night in Singapore. Um, I was trying to look. I lost track of where this fight's taking place in Singapore, to be honest. At the Singapore Indoor Stadium. I think that's where all these fucking 1FC cards take place, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the only place. Um, Singapore, I don't think, is a very big place. I, By the way, I really want to go to Singapore. That is high on the fucking list, guys. Just letting you know that. It's apparently expensive as shit, though. Pro Just... tip, though, don't litter. I hear they're very strict about that. Yeah, they beat your ass with a cane. <laughs> You know, the Sandman's gimmick is based on a, a news story from the early 90s about a teenager um, littering or vandalizing something in Singapore and American. 
And this it was is like an American college that, student. This is the dude that just smashes beers on his heads and throws. You no, know, so this is what happened. The reason saying, you know, the reason Sandman. Did you also know? I have no idea who Sandman is. Sandman is the one with the cane in ECW, but. This kid, the punishment they gave him was lashings, and people were like, "We can't have our American people getting lashed by some in some foreign country." And then logical people were like, "Well, you shouldn't break the laws in those foreign countries." But uh, that's where the Singapore cane became a thing in wrestling. You know, okay, Kendall's thing they call the Singapore cane. Makes a big old mess and throws beer cans everywhere. <laughs> no, I don't think that part of it is. Okay, you know, this is part of his own character. That. Okay. Yeah, that might be his own thing. All right, uh, Singapore Indoor Stadium. This card is the main card is at 5 a.m. Pacific time. The prelims are at 2 a.m. Pacific time, so just not going to see those. Night, baby. Or just, just not seeing those prelims. Um, poor, I mean, I would like to see, you know, Chidi and Jokowani fight. I like his fights. It's just not going to happen. Um, all right, main event, Korean Zombie, Max Holloway. Max Holloway fresh off of ruining Arnold Allen as a, pros, as a title contender in a fight the UFC shouldn't have booked. I'm still bitter, a little bit. Uh, Korean Zombie coming off of uh, getting his ass beat uh, badly, just badly, in a title fight um, against Alexander Volkanovsky. He's lost two of his last three. Um, betting line for this one is uh, big, real big. Um, Mike, do you have in front of you? I'm trying to pull it up now. Uh, oh, shit. God damn. <laughs> uh, Max Holloway, this is with uh DraftKings. are we a bet mgm podcast now which one are we? i like bet mgm because they give me the cool stats like like percentage of like the like how much of the bets are on which person before big ufc cards i kind of like bet mgm all right fair enough we'll go with bet mgm then uh max holloway on bet mgm is a minus 800 favorite to chang sung jung aka the korean zombies plus 550 underdog Holy shit. What the hell happened to Korean Zombie? He is such an underdog. I think um I think people think what I think. I think he I think this is his last fight. I think this is the last time we see the Korean Zombie fight, personally. I think this is it. Um he was flirting with retirement a year ago. I think he's done, man. I think he's given us everything he's gonna give us, man. He's given us a lot in this sport. He deserves to call it a day if he wants to. When the fuck is Max gonna move up to lightweight? the fuck are we doing i don't know where like he's wasting another this is time we're wasting with max at 145 i legitimately believe that but anyway yeah i got i got uh max getting it done here mike you got max getting it done here i got max getting it done as well uh if this is the korean zombies last fight uh first greatest nickname in all of professional um fighting uh I, you're not you're, you're not sold on that okay no, I mean, it's um, a great one. It is a great one. One of the best walkout songs, too. I love if, the zombie. I don't mean to disrespect. If not the greatest nickname, easily the greatest uh, MMA shirt, um, which I'm still mad I no longer have. Especially since he made, like, no money off of it either, and they fucking screwed him out of the thing, too. Hmm. Um, Marcus, clean sweep? Yeah, it's a sweep. It's a good fight to go out on. You know, I mean, this is a big profile match i think max is just you know he's at a point in his career where he just beat it you know a top contender and you look at zombie you know he, he lost against the champ right which we knew was gonna happen so i think it would be a good send-off for him i just hope it's a decent performance i hope it's not just a complete shellacking maybe max could you know they could have a couple fun rounds here and we can have a good send-off for him but uh yeah i wouldn't be surprised if this was the end for him but again looking even looking at like his record like 
It's not, not that bad. I thought it was worse than it was going to be. I thought it'd be like, oh, he lost his last three, but like he beat Dan Aie. He gets hurt a lot. It's inconsistent. He misses a lot it's, of time. He's yeah. fighting like once a year. Um, so I think it might be time to hang it up. But I, I think this is, you know, I think he's chewing off more than, you know, he's biting off more than he could chew. But that's kind of what you do in a retirement fight. You're supposed to lose your retirement fight. So I think that's I mean, kind of what is, might happen. And we don't I don't know, know if they've sure, officially but, said it, but I just, the yeah. vibe I'm getting is like, yeah. we're going home at the yep. end of this one. I'm with you. Um, co-main event. Don't know why it's a co-main event. Don't mean to disrespect Anthony Smith. We all like Anthony Smith. Okay. Anthony Smith coming off of two straight losses to Magomed Ankalaev <laughs> and Johnny Walker. Uh, gonna take on Ryan Spann, who uh, after two straight wins succumbed to a triangle choke at the hands of Nikita Krylov back in March at the Jan versus uh, Marab fight card. A fight card Mark does not remember, but you go back and watch because it was a pretty good time. Just saying, <laughs> it was a pretty good time. There was like six finishes <laughs> for the love of God. Um, Mike, uh, betting odds for this one. Uh, the betting odds for this one, it's a pretty close line. Ryan Spann uh, is a minus 125 uh, favorite to Anthony Smith's uh, plus 105 underdog. We watched Ryan smoke Dominic, right, when we were there live. That was Dominic Reyes' fight when he iced him. And then he said, I've just, like, finally started training seriously. Correct. In New York. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, what's your pick for this one, buddy? Uh, mine is going to be Spann. I know that Smith holds a submission victory. Over Span, I think that was maybe two, a while ago. Two years. It was about two years ago. Okay. Uh, at this point, mm -hmm. but they've both gone in opposite directions uh, since that fight. Uh, Anthony Smith, as I think, as you mentioned, he's lost his last two, and Ron Span's gone. Uh, I think he's won his his last two. He uh, lost. No, didn't he, he beat uh, Don? He lost. He lost to Krylov. Fight? He lost Krylov to Krylov after that. Ah, shit. All right, I forgot about that fight. Um, Still, I do still think that Ryan Spann has been performing better since since their first fight. Uh, Smith has just gotten older, and he hasn't looked as good. So I'm going with Spann. I got Anthony Smith. He's going to finish him also. Ooh, look at well, oh. Well, in fairness, he hasn't. No, it's just he hasn't won a fight by decision in eight years. So if he's going to win, he's going to finish him. I think he's going to choke him. That tends to be how Anthony Smith wins fights. I'm going to go Anthony Smith by choke. I think he still has a little more left in this shitty weight class. I, I just keep saying how bad this weight class is. I'm going to point that out. Marcus, um, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, I was a little perplexed, you know, seeing that he beat him before, and he is the underdog now. Uh, two straight losses, but, you know, it'd be two, yeah, two guys but, beat him that are good. Yeah, but it's kind of the thing, too, is, like, I if I go with you <laughs> – I could gain one on Mike, or we just drop down Dude, to Mike. Dude, we're like four months out. Mike is so far ahead of us. Just pick whoever you think. Oh, my God. Win. Yo, I, you are doing this on purpose now. I have only four games of no, four you got, wins No, you got one more. Them. You got one more on me this week because I, I picked Yeah, but, I mean, agony. You, um, were, you were the close one. <laughs> yeah, I'll go I'll go with Span, too. I don't – I mean – I'm not. I'm, it's one of these things. I'm not. I'm not high. High. high there's some honestly. Moment. There's a lot of close ones in this one. Depending yeah. on how we all pick, we might yeah. actually get a little bit of movement. Yeah, there's we'll some cool things. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't pick Anthony Smith. Real talk. I know you like Anthony Smith a lot. I thought you thought he was going to get the done here, especially against a guy who. I mean, he is. So. Um. All right. Um. The next one we are picking is Giga Chikadze versus Bruce Leroy himself. Chikadze, uh has not fought since. Fuck in January of 2022, uh, where he lost to Calvin Cater by decision, a five rounder. Before that, he'd strung off 
nine straight wins. Um, seven of them into UFC with wins over Brandon Davis, Jamal Emmers, Erwin Rivera, Omar Morales, Jamie Simmons. All right, you don't know any of those people. Cub Swanson, Edson Barboza, though, in there. Um, finished Edson and Cub, actually. Uh, Bruce Leroy, man. Bruce Leroy's still getting better this many years in, which is kind of wild to say. He's 35 years old. I feel he's not he's better now than he's ever been. Um, he has won seven of eight fights. The loss to Sadiq Musaf in the middle of that one. A um, lot of finishes in there, too. He's looked good. Um, betting line for this one, Mike? Uh, the betting line for this one, uh, Giga Chikese is a minus 250 favorite, and Bruce Leroy is plus 190. Who do you got? Look, man, I always bet on the Diaz brother, and y'all notice I always bet on my boy Bruce Leroy. I don't give a damn if he's an underdog, <laughs> all right? It's my guy. <laughs> Okay, you got Bruce Lee. I got. I was taking him anyway. I think Bruce oh, Lee was gonna get it done is, too. I think is that why you rolled your eyes? You yeah, because I. I mean, it's a fucking. The guy's on a fucking twenty month layoff. Ah, actually, I'm gonna regret this. Giga Chikadze, man. He won nine straight before that. Let's think he's gonna get it done here. This is a tough one, Mark. Honestly, I'm going back and forth. If they, I feel better if Giga wasn't coming off of twenty months off, to be honest. But he's Georgian. They're fighting all the way over there. I don't know, man. How well do these Americans fight when they get to Asia? So I'm going to take Giga Chikadze, Mike. Correction. Giga Chikadze for me. Mark, who do you got? Yeah, I thought Mike was giving us a gift here. I mean, look, I like Alex, too. And I think he... I don't think it's a gift. These are real close, honestly. I think, I'm I not confident. Alex, I think Alex has, has looked really good. But when you look at, you know, and again, I'm looking more at, at, at the paper and on who he's fought and who he's lost against, you know. And Calvin Cater, I do think, is one of the top guys, right? And we've seen Alex not really be able to get to that level to even – compete against these top guys so i didn't have much problem picking giga hey but like mike like hey if alex wins this fight hey that's fucking awesome for him like i i'm, I'm a big fan of his style and i think he has improved and he's looked good in some fights i just don't think he gets it done here so um i picked giga and i'm not too worried about it all right um we're not picking uh the next fight on the card which is rinya nakamura mm -hmm. rinya hybrid nakamura which mark you're telling me he's at american top team now yeah, I saw. I, I randomly saw a video. He was part of the like road to UFC Japan or something, and he just like wiped the floor. Yeah, he he's won. Like, yeah, he's a huge prospect over there, and I think he ended up uh, moving to American Top Team to you know train there. So I think he's making all the right moves, um, and you know rightfully so, huge favorite in this fight. So I'm looking forward to seeing him compete. I, I actually want to watch this one, but not worth picking. Yeah, I mean, know. I think I'll be awake by this point. Um, he's fighting another guy without a Wikipedia page. I say another guy because his first seven fights were against guys with Wikipedia without Wikipedia pages. And he's a minus 700 favorite, so there's no point in us really picking this. Unless we want to pad our records, here, to be <laughs> honest. Um, this is the fight I'm most interested in besides the main event, easily. I think this fight fucking rules. The fact that it's just being taking place on the other side of the world at like 6 a.m. on a fucking Saturday, and then they complain that these people can't sell fights or whatever. I'm just... If you're going to take 85% of the money, you should actually promote the fights. I'm just saying. Aaron Blanchfield, um, Talia Santos. Both these women rule. Um, Talia has not fight since, fought since last June, where she lost a very close split to uh, Shevchenko. A fight that I think, I don't remember when it was over, who I thought won, but I remember thinking, like, 
this may not go the way uh, man, uh, you know Valentina thought it was going to go. Um, and then Aaron, cold-blooded Blanchfield, it's just fucking people up, man. Uh, she just she beat up Jessica Andrade on Jessica Andrade's let me take fights against prospects on no notice world tour she's on. She keeps doing. Just, please stop. Um, betting odds for this one super close, right, Mike? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a bit of a close one as well. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield is minus one fifty, and Talia Santos is plus one twenty five. Um, I'm gonna be going with uh, Aaron Blanchfield in yeah. this one. We were there. I expected that. <laughs> we were there yeah. in person for the experience. <laughs> Granted, Molly McCann is in the uh, the highest level of competition, but she 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 tore through her like a hot knife through butter. Um, Mark, you know how fun it is to be in an arena with twenty two thousand people, and me and Mike are sitting there knowing what's about to happen to the yeah. person that twenty two thousand people are rooting for. We just sat there like, oh, it's gonna be great. Oh, it's gonna be great. And then mm-hmm. she killed her. Yeah, it was incredible. It was, it was a bit of a coming out party, and uh, Singapore is going to be very lucky uh, to see her fight. Even though Talia is, is a very good fighter herself, so I just think they're going to be in store for a pretty good fight. To yeah, I'm assuming start the main card then, based uh, off the I think it's the beginning of the main card. Maybe Google there might has be a fight before it, but no one cares. <laughs> well, I wake up around six a.m., so I might have to wake up at five thirty. I guess the way this is headed. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think honestly, Mike, this would be a pick if Aaron Blanchfield, I think Aaron Blanchfield is more fresh in people's minds. Real talk. I think Talia, I would in no way be surprised if Talia won. And I'm I'm picking Aaron Blanchfield because we're on this train, buddy. Me and you, Mike, I think Mark's on it tomorrow. I think Mark might be on it too, but we're all on this train. We all saw what's going on here. This girl's coming. This girl's coming for Alexa or Valentina or whoever's the fucking champion of this weight class. This girl's coming. So I got Aaron Blanchfield, and I'm very excited to watch her continue this ascent. Um, Mark? Yeah, no, I'm with you guys. I'm completely sold. Um, More to the point that, like, yeah, this should be co-main event easy. This is a title eliminator fight. This should be... This should be on a pay-per-view. I should be paying it money. It is a title eliminator, is it? There's no one there's no one else. I don't this care what you say. This is a title eliminator. That girl almost beat Valentina, who was like the most dominant champion, and Aaron Blanchfield has been just, just demolishing this division. Isn't this three versus four? Something is that what like it says that. on the it, website? It, it, Let it, me look. Yeah, if only because Valentina's won now, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, three it's, versus four. Is three number one is Valentina. She's mm-hmm. fighting for the belt. Number two is Manon Firo, who's fighting Rose Namayunis in France in a week and okay, a half, sure. two weeks. That might be a that might, actually if Rose wins she's getting a title shot. What are we talking about? Yeah. Um, but still, like but this that's is, it, dude. This, yeah, this is this a crazy class rules. Yeah, this is a crazy. I mean, yeah, the, the, those top right there. But this is like yeah, they this, all loaded up. They loaded yeah. up, man. Valentina beat enough girls until this became a real weight class. This is like when Mighty Mouse eventually beat up enough people that everybody else got good enough to push him. You know what I mean? Now flyweight kind of rules. Yeah. You know, um, like we're at that with women's flyweight. But yeah, I have I have Aaron. I have really high hopes. But like you, like I think Santos as really proved herself in that Valentina fight. And I think she could be a really tough, tough out for Aaron. If Aaron can't initiate those grappling exchanges, but if she can, we're going to see something great. Like this is, you know, I throw it around a lot and I really shouldn't like, I don't like saying generational talent, but like she, she has a skill level that like you just don't see every day. Like it's a treat to watch this lady perform. So I'm really excited to see this fight. And I expect, yeah, I'm going at least Mike two units on Blanchfield, by the way. Oh, by the way, I didn't get a chance to do this. Those of you who listen to this podcast know for three months, 
Mike and I have been talking. How many units on Aljo? Three, four. Yeah, last time, yeah. last time, last time Mike said anything, he's like, "I'm going five units on Aljo." Yeah, I did come, say that. Come Saturday, and I'm just like, Mike, I got minus two forty-five. How many units? You're like, "Oh man, I bought a monitor, so yeah. I can't, I can't do this." You know what, Mike? Good I'm move. actually not going to. Good I'm move. not going to insult you. I do feel that you owe the audience an apology for lying to them, though, for three months. Just saying, because. I'm sitting here having lost 80 bucks on the Aljo train. Figure you'd be sitting next to me having lost about 100 bucks too. But well, so. um, if you if you can uh, just clear out a bit so that I can just speak directly to the audience, Bobby, Mark, the, the 80 to 200 people that listen to this every every week. Almost 250. Um, oh wow, 250. All right, awesome. Shit, look at us growing. It's only been 10 years. Um, I just want to apologize for absolutely nothing. That monitor I got was expensive, curved, and sweet. All right? I'm also very frugal. So when you spend a certain amount of money and then you think, ooh, am I going to bet five units? Uh, you know what? I, I, I probably shouldn't. And you know what? That was a good, that was a good shout on my good part. Call, Mike. Because when I woke up the next morning... And I saw on Twitter, oh, Old Valley won. I saved myself a hundred bucks. I'm just saying. I thought we were jump. I thought we were gonna fucking Thelma and Louise this bitch, Mike. <laughs> I thought we were Thelma and Louise. Mike this bitch. jumped out of that car at the last second. <laughs> he said, That's "Bobby right. jumped out Mike's that like, car," and I'm Mike jumping the, into sweet, the, uh... sweet 165 hertz of 32 inch TV, baby. Okay. All right. Anyway, um, yeah, no shame in that, man. Shout out to Mike, though, getting a gaming PC. Mike is t about two weeks to three weeks away for being like, do I need to spend $100 on a keyboard? That's where the thought creeps in at that point. I I'm, not, anyway. I'm still not sure why you say that, because it comes with a keyboard. The shit lights up. It gives me my little clickety-clack sounds that I really like. I'm not sure what else I need. Fair enough. No shame in that. We'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> all right. Um... I think nothing else really worth mentioning on this card besides I think the Parker Porter Justin Taffa fight's gonna be real good. Is that the one that's opening the main card? That is the main card one, isn't it? Justin mm -hmm. Taffa and uh Parker yeah, that's Porter. That's what I see on Google. Accurate. I like accurate. Justin Taffa fight. Justin Taffa fights I mean he had the one the last one where he went three rounds. Before that, he's got about three minutes in him. So and Parker Porter uh someone's going to sleep in about three minutes in that fight total. Just putting that out there. So maybe I need to wake up at five fifteen to see uh Santos and Blanchfield, Mark, the way it's looking. Because they like to hum along with these fight pass cards. Um, or this could be, you know, put this on proper ESPN, man. There's nothing going on at fucking 5 a.m. on Saturday in ESPN. Why not? Um, all right, let's do uh, stuff we like. Um, I'll go knock out mine first. Um, I realized this yesterday. I messaged Mark about it. I didn't know that uh, Harley Quinn came back. Season four was out. Mm -hmm. um, I watched all five or six episodes yesterday. Um, have a lot of free time when the girlfriend's got COVID. Just watching stuff. Um, I really enjoy that show. Um, last season, I think I talked about it, Mark. I think you watched last season too. I don't know if Mike you did it either, but I think we thought like it. It took a couple episodes for it to really get going. With the, they were trying to figure out the relationship between Ivy and um and Harley. Mm -hmm. Um, spoiler, 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 blah blah blah. But I'm not gonna get. I mean, it's not that type of show anyway. Um, I'm enjoying this season so far. Not enough King Shark for my my favorite character is King Shark on this show. I think I really enjoy King Shark. I'm a big Ron Funches fan in general. 
Mm-hmm. Um, not enough King Shark and Clayface for my liking, but it's been a good season so far. I'm about halfway through it. Um, it's just a really well-made show, I think. I just think they... I think they poke the bear also with some of the stuff they're doing with the relationship with uh, for an animated adult comedy. They kind of poke the bear. The, the, they poke the homophobic bear, you know, the homophobic and sexist bear a bit with the the content they put out there. I mean, Mike, I'm sure you you watch the show too. Did you watch the third season, Mike? I forgot. I, you... I haven't watched the third season okay. yet. Um, this is the fourth now, so I think they're doing a good job so far. I wa- I finished season three of Jack Ryan also this week. Um, Ooh, I know. How, season f- how far do you? How far are you in the show? I'm on season. Is oh no wait, season three is the season where they actually he actually fights Russia, right? Yeah, that's the Russian. Well, the Russian separatists. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm on the beginning of season four. Yeah, yeah. I got to start that too. So, um, I think I've told you my criticism of the show because I think it's a fine show, but I have the same criticism with every season, which is this entire show is working on the premise that everybody in the United States government is fucking stupid except Jack Ryan. Like, everybody's decisions, besides Jack and, like, Jack and, um, what's his, I forgot the actor's name. Wendell, Wendell, Wendell Pierce's Wendell, character. Wendell Pierce's character, Greer, you know, and, like, the guy from um, House of Cards, um, that guy, right? The bald guy. Now they're all on the same team, and they're not stupid. And then every season, they just pick up a new person they've convinced to be less stupid in the season. I think the last season was the, I forgot her name, the lady who became, like, the director Kind of. Um, I don't remember her character's name, to be honest. Uh, but she, like, they pick up one person every season who's not stupid by the end of the season, it feels like. I think the government is too stupid in these shows, and Jack Ryan's level of patriotism is almost comical sometimes about, like, his do-goodedness. Not even patriotism, it's just do-goodedness, um, which is a little different than the movies, and I was a big fan of all the Jack Ryan movies. Um, I still like the show. I think it's perfectly decent, and I totally buy Jim as a action hero um, in the show. I think it took a couple episodes in the first season. But, you know, it's fine. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to finish it. It's got one more season, season four. Um, I saw that Michael Pena is in this season, so I'm pretty excited about that because this podcast is a big Michael Pena podcast. Um, we're all bitter. He wasn't in enough in Ant-Man 2 and apparently fucking wasn't in Ant-Man 3 at all, I guess. So uh, that's what I did. That's what I watched. So, um Yeah. Probably going to watch uh, season four of Jack Ryan when we're done recording this podcast. Unless I missed an episode of Harley Quinn. So that's where I'm at this week. Mike, what do you got this week? Uh, I don't know if this will ruin Michael Pena for you, but Michael Pena, hardcore Scientologist. I mean, so is Beck. We all, you know, we do what we have to. And by the way, I'm just talking to a guy who loves Tom Cruise movies. We got to separate that art from the artist. That is very you know? true. That is if very not, true. I, I, we watch MMA, Mike. We watch. How could we watch this fucking sport? <laughs> Separate the art from the artist, which is why if Ignition Remix comes on, I'm still bumped into that. Yeah. Anyway, okay. how am I supposed to take Ignition Remix <laughs> off of my playlist? Are you kidding me? It's been on there since like '05. That's what right. Are you doing? <laughs> and now that I have a fro again, I can't. I can't exit out a song that says "Running my hands through my fro." Yeah. Dude, come on now. Sitting on twenty folds. Hey, man, all you guys who want to do that, I just want to know, all you motherfuckers have been listening to Great Balls of Fire all these years. Well, that dude, mother, that motherfucker married a 14-year-old. And not just any 14-year-old, his cousin. So. You got fellas on the left, honey's on the right. <laughs> okay, go ahead, buddy. What do you have? <laughs> uh, sticking with the DC theme, have I spoken about my adventures with Superman yet? 
Don't think so. I was okay. going to ask you guys if you had watched that show, but yeah, go for it, Mike. Um, I watch it pretty much every week. Uh, I really enjoy it. It is definitely a different take on Superman, much more lighthearted. Um, has a bit of an anime feel to it, to to be honest. Some things they've changed up, uh, for example, and one thing that's becoming a lot more common um, with, I think, comic book uh, shows now is um, obviously back in the 30s and 40s, uh, every character was white. Uh, so they've added a bit of color to the show. They've made Jimmy Olsen. Well, there's really no other way to say this because I'm not exactly sure where he's from yet, but he's some type of brown. I'm not sure which brown yet, though. He's black in the CW show, by the way. Just put oh, yeah. I'm, no, I'm not. He's obviously black in the CW show. Yeah. In this one, I don't know exactly what uh, Jimmy is. And Lois Lane, if I am correct, is a uh, Korean in uh in this show but it's uh it's been a pretty entertaining show it's a lot more comedy and levity in this show so far uh some of the tropes have been broken so for example lois lane who's this pulitzer prize winning journalist somehow never figures out that clark kent is superman whereas in this one uh you know she finds out relatively early on um so that cat's out of the bag pretty quick it's been fun to watch. Um, I think there's about seven, eight episodes so far. So it's still early enough that you can just hop in very quickly. I think it's on Adult Swim, but I'm honestly not sure. But uh, My Adventures with Superman, if you haven't... It's not Max? Sh- I don't know. Well, it's uh, DC. Then it, I don't know. At this point, it's Max either Max then. or CW or something at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. But I would recommend watching that show. Mr. Paris. Yeah, it's got a couple things real quick. Um, this game, Vampire Survivor, actually came out on PC in 2021. It was a big hit. Um, it just came out on Switch, and they had a new content release for like a local multiplayer. It's a roguelike game, so like you kind of just do these little runs, and it's kind of hard to describe. Where I want to describe it like as a twin stick shooter, except usually with twin stick shooters like Robotron or something, you move your character with one stick, the other stick you shoot. Um, you don't control your attacks in this game. They kind of just happen automatically. So you're kind of just running around dodging enemies. It's, it's, it's such a hard game to kind of describe. And as you kind of level up, you get new weapons or abilities. And then you just kind of keep going to get a high score and to level up your character and you hit certain milestones. You can unlock new things for your next run. It's, it is, I think a game that's a little hard to describe, but like once it kind of, it sinks into you, it, it is really fun. I've, I've, haven't put a ton of time into it but i've gotten to the point where i'll have runs where i've maxed out all my weapons and it's it's clearly like my dude's basically invincible where it's like the whole screen just has nothing but enemies but i have all these force fields that are killing shit and missiles are shooting off everywhere and it's just like it kind of plays itself to an extent um it's a weird recommendation but something that like when you actually play i just i i I, it's a cheap game it's like retails for five dollars i think it's on discount for like 450 um so i gave it a shot and i've really been enjoying it Big game coming out uh, this coming Friday is Armor Core 6. And this is from the people that did... Uh, this is from from Software, from Elden Ring, and Demon Souls, Dark Souls fame. They used to do the Armor Core uh, series, which is a mech combat game, which is very different from the Dark Souls games. This is actually them returning to that after having done all these Souls games. So it's kind of interesting to have them come back to 
you know, a genre of game they haven't touched in a while, and uh, I'm interested to try it out. Looks cool. So, yeah, that's what I got this week. Um, something happened today with this lawsuit that they're saying they're going to unseal everything to the public. Every part of this, mm -hmm. except for everybody's phone number and medical records, they're going to release to the public. And they're going to fast track the trial for March or April. When you, when you say this lawsuit, are you referring to the class, the action. class certification? Uh, the, talk about the class action. Yes. It's getting uh, the, a couple lawyers I follow are saying this today was a 10 7 for the fighters over the UFC and how this fight, this case is going to change MMA forever. Things are happening very quickly after not happening for like eight years in this fucking yeah. thing. Um, also, people are here talking like Conor McGregor is going to fight Tony Ferguson, by the way, in December. Oh, God. <laughs> Some people are saying, acting like it's going to happen because they're like shit talking each other or something. We'll see. And uh, I, nobody should, nobody should, no commission should license 200 pound juice to the tit tits Conor McGregor against the ghost of Tony Ferguson. Somehow this that sounds worse than the Patty Pimblet option for Tony Ferguson. <laughs> Actually, no, that one's worse. That one might be the worst option for me. Is if Tony Ferguson loses to Patty Pimblet, Mark. I think I've decided that's the worst case scenario. I've decided already. <laughs> okay. He won't get hurt, but it would make me so sad in that one. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to go read about this lawsuit. And apparently the news that Ryzen is under a bunch of investigation about Yakuza ties, which... Didn't think we had to investigate something we all knew, guys. Yeah. Did we? Did we need to check that, guys? Did we need to even look at that, Mike? <laughs> we need. We need confirmation. All right. So that's the life's about, bro. We need confirmation. All right. Um. All right. We're gonna be back next week, where we're going to talk about uh, all the. Honestly, Mark said it. Who's the fucking number one contender for the Fly Women's Flyweight Championship? Because I'm gonna have a hard time thinking it's anybody else until. Unless Rose goes out there and ISIS Manon Firo or Firo beats Rose for at least the time being, we're going to find a number one contender out of this fight. Um, and we're also going to uh, <laughs> preview, I think preview, that literal card. Literally the French cards the week after that. And my little brother asked me the other day, he's like, what did Sergei, what did uh, Cyril Godin do wrong to be relegated back to fight night? And I said, that's just what this sport is now, man. Also, he fought terrible. And uh, but they're going to France. Of course, he'd main event. Why wouldn't he main event? We're going to talk about his fight versus Sergey Spivak, Manon Firo versus Rose Namajunas. Volkan Ozdemir is fighting some dude named Bogdan. This isn't great. Straight up, this might be every fighter who's ever visited France. I'm not sure they're even French. We'll talk about that next week. Anyway, this is already a long card, long podcast. We'll talk next week. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see if Zombie's still fighting. We'll see if Max is here, just you know, hanging out at 145 for no reason still. Till then, I was Dr. Law, that was DJ Mark, and that was the legendary Lavender Gooms. See y'all next week. Peace. See y'all.